Westminster Hall is the oldest building in Parliament. It's a fragment of the ancient palace of Westminster, which has survived fire, blitz and new building. It's a huge stone hall with a magnificent wooden ceiling, and it's also a reminder that Parliament is a place where history is made. In the 900 years since Westminster Hall was built, it's seen many momentous events, but none as dramatic as one that took place over a few days in January 1649. In that cold month, after many years of bloody civil war, a triumphant parliament put on trial a captive king for his life. That king was Charles Stuart, Charles I, King of England, Scotland and Ireland. I'm with Dr Stephen Roberts of the History of Parliament Trust who can tell us more about the events surrounding the trial of the king for high treason and then we're going to see a really remarkable document in the parliamentary archives that brings that history to life. Stephen, how did it come about that a king was put on trial by his subjects? After the First Civil War of 1642 to 46, an uneasy compromise was reached between the Parliament and the King and other factions. But in 1648, conflict broke out again, much to the anger of the army and those who had opposed the King during the First Civil War. So the trial of Charles I really was born out of exasperation. It was determined that some permanent outcome to the conflict should be achieved. How did the king approach the trial? For a king to be tried by his subjects, that, that's probably the first time in British history that that's happened. It's clear from the beginning of the trial that Charles I didn't take the proceedings seriously at all and that he, from the outset, questioned the authority of Parliament to put him on trial and, of course, he had the law on his side for that. And it's clear throughout that Charles I was defiant and rather contemptuous of those putting him on trial. And only towards the very end of the proceedings did he begin to realise that these proceedings were indeed serious and they were going to have a fatal outcome for him. Well, let's go up and explore the archives, which shows how that fatal outcome was actually documented. We've come up into the Victoria Tower, where the parliamentary archives are kept, and I've been joined by Mari Takayanagi, who's one of the archivists here. Mari, there's an impressive collection of documents on the table spread out in front of us. In particular, we're looking at two here which relate to Charles I. On the left here, we've got the official record of the trial. It's in the form of a parchment roll. And on the right, we've got the death warrant of Charles I, the original record, which was stored here in Parliament thereafter, which has got all the signatures and the seals of the commissioners that agreed to the execution of Charles I. Stephen, as the historian here, what do these documents say to you? Well, you're struck by the clarity of the handwriting after so many centuries in the case of the official record, as well as the formal legal exchanges that took place. The record also brings out the personal interchange between the king and those who were putting him on trial. Do we get a sense, then, of the characters and the personalities involved here? I think we do. I mean, there's the humiliation here of Mr Cook, the Commonwealth solicitor. And I'm quoting from the document now. Whereupon Mr Cook, solicitor for the Commonwealth, standing within a bar with the rest of the counsel for the Commonwealth on the right hand of the prisoner, offered to speak. But the prisoner, having a staff in his hand, held it up and softly laid it upon the said Mr Cook's shoulder two or three times, biding him hold. And that perfect illustration of the, uh, of the king using his authority and his staff to quiet the upstart solicitor, I think, brings the whole episode to life. Is it possible, looking at this document and reading it almost like the text of a play, to, to realise that we're moving towards an outcome that was always inevitable? 
I think historians these days are beginning to revise that verdict. A number of historians recently have pointed to evidence that right until the very last minute there were elements among those putting the king on trial who were trying to seek an outcome that did not involve the death of the king. So I think perhaps the idea that it was a show trial would not be appropriate. But we do have to remember that at the time he was put on trial there was a great deal of hostility to the king, particularly among those of the army who saw him as the cause of all England's continuing troubles. The court then took the unprecedented action of condemning a king to death. Mm. And, and there we have next to us is a document that's the evidence for that. This is the death warrant of Charles I. Let's go and have a look at that. Whereas Charles Stuart, King of England, is and standeth convicted, attainted, and condemned of high treason and other high crimes, and sentence upon last Saturday was pronounced against him by this court to be put to death by the severing of his head from his body, of which sentence execution yet remaineth to be done. These are therefore to will and require you to see the said sentence executed in the open street before Whitehall upon the morrow, being the 30th day of this instant month of January between the hours of 10 in the morning and 5 in the afternoon of the same day, with full effect. And for so doing, this shall be your sufficient warrant. So this is the death warrant itself. It's a smaller document than I realised. It's about um, 16, 17 inches wide and about eight or nine inches long, a list of names written in ink with a, a red seal next to each of them. What does this tell us about the outcome? This is the list of names, uh, some 59 names in total, of the people who actually signed the death warrant of Charles I. Who were uh, they? Well, they're a mixture of people. Uh, the majority of them are MPs, but there are some army officers, such as Hardress Waller, Vincent Potter, Thomas Horton, who had served in the New Model Army. And there are men like John Bradshaw, who was neither an MP nor an army officer, who was just a lawyer, the Lord President of the court. These are people who've not only attended the trial of Charles I and been happy, therefore, to be involved in it, but who've actually put their hands and seals to the most grave and uh, serious document of all, the death warrant. So they, these are the die-hard regicides who went on as founder members of the short-lived English Republic. I can see very clearly down on the left-hand corner the name Cromwell. Yeah, Oliver Cromwell is the first name on the list who is not either a peer or a leading official of the court. Evidence from other sources suggests that Cromwell played a leading part in gathering signatures for the death warrant. The fact that these people are prepared to put their name to a document that condemns a king to death is not necessarily what the rest of the country was feeling. How much in tune were they with what public opinion would have felt about the trial and the subsequent execution of Charles? I think the majority of people in, in the country, so far as we can tell, were shocked and horrified at the execution. And in many ways it was an expedient that had been arrived at by a process of elimination because Charles I was simply unable or unwilling to compromise with the people putting him on trial. Isn't there a kind of contradiction in this document where a king's condemned for high treason? Isn't that a crime against the monarch himself? Inherent in the whole legal process is the idea that you can't really in English law put a king on trial. That was why by the proceedings of traditional English law the trial was an illegal trial. But nevertheless, the king was taken from this place and within a very few days was beheaded. Yes, he was executed outside his own palace at Whitehall, the banqueting house at Whitehall, which still exists, 
You can see the window from which Charles I walked onto the scaffold there at the banqueting house in Whitehall.